This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. At some level, I knew that people had these stereotypes about what a poor minority neighborhood is. But the reality growing up there is like, dude, it's not that bad. Like, chill. Chill. Mm -hmm. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's up, everyone? Hope you're well and healthy. At the time of this recording, April 4th, there is a lot going on in the world with corona and uncertainty in the economy, a lot of quarantining and social distancing. So I just hope everyone is doing well with that. Not sure when this will be released, but uh, regardless, I'm sure the effects will be felt for a long time. So hope you're all doing okay with that. Uh, for those that don't know me or first-time listeners, I'm Jonathan, your host. This is the Millennial Millionaire Podcast. Goal of the show is to improve investing or become a smarter investor if you are just starting out or trying to improve your skill or grow your portfolio. Um, appreciate you being here. Appreciate you taking the time to do this. In return, we want to give you as much tangible value as possible. A little background on me. I work in corporate America currently at a software company doing field sales. I am a millennial side hustle real estate investor. I love to network, learn, and put into practice anything that I learn here or that I pick up along the way of my journey and anything that I do learn, I love to share with you guys. So that's the goal of the show. A little background on the guest today. Um, she has done so, so much. Her name is Lisa Phillips. Some of you guys may know her from her books or her YouTube channel, podcast she's been on. She's been on Bigger Pockets. Um, she invests in a really unique niche and uh, something that I think no matter what type of model you're using, you can learn from. Um, she invests actually in properties that are under 30K. Uh, and she has a really, really interesting strategy to not only acquire those properties, but stabilize them. So what really stood out to me from this episode was her strategy investing in lower cost properties and how she actually uses different strategies to, to one, protect herself because there are some inherent risks that come with properties of this type, but also how she stabilizes these properties. She talks about a bunch of strategies she uses to find properties that may actually be better than they appear or properties that may be overlooked. And she goes through some of the strategies of how she stabilizes them and makes sure that they actually, uh, they don't become huge headaches, which some of these properties can be if you just look to buy the cheapest thing you can. So look out for that. I think there's a lot that you can take away. I took tons of notes during this episode and it was right after I read her book. So there was a lot that uh, came along right with it. Today's tangible tip, that's convenient timing, mentioning reading her book, because the tip is starting or joining a book club. Uh, I think there's actually a lot more benefit in starting one and it's a lot easier than you might think. It was something that I was brainstorming with a friend of mine a couple of weeks back uh, just about how we can get some more people together, hold each other accountable and just do something um, to stretch our minds a little bit. So I know a lot of you guys are readers. Um, sometimes it's just a little more fun to have someone that you can bounce ideas off of or talk about uh, things that you're maybe stuck on or putting into practice or not understanding. So started the book club to start the year. So um, we're going on four months now, about eight people, put it out on LinkedIn. Um, it was funny when I first put it out, uh, hit refresh like 10 minutes later and there was not a single like or comment. So I kind of just thought I was taking the L. I'm going to just read this book by myself. It's okay. I was going to do it anyway, but you know, it is what it is. And I checked about two hours later and there were 25 comments 
and 30 likes. And at that point I had to really decide who was going to be in, who's going to be out, just did it by order of who said yes. Uh, moral of that story, other book clubs sprung up from that one post because other people connected with other people who just wanted to be part of something and they tagged up. Um, from doing that, we've had some really awesome experiences. One, we've actually finished the books and we've gotten a little bit smarter. We've networked some people have come together, but we've actually also been able to network with the authors because we are explaining to them that we all work at companies that maybe they could speak at or have contracts with one day or just a good way to share their content because we're interacting with it a lot. So that's the tip. Start a book club or be part of one. I recommend you you start one if possible. Very easy. Just post something on LinkedIn. Hey, who wants to be in a book club? For any readers out there, you will be surprised at who reaches out to you. So give that a try. Um, without any further ado, guys, really, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, let me know what you think. Lisa's awesome. So here she is, Lisa Phillips. Okay, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I, as we just talked about, um, I've been following your stuff for a couple of years now, and we'll get into your background and your story and what you're up to today. But um, for those of you listening that aren't familiar with Lisa's stuff, I have found it to be some of the most digestible, consumable content for doing real estate at any level. For beginners, there's definitely a big ramp that I found, and I've really appreciated in your stuff. But um, you've really built up an amazing online following. I consider you like really one of the, the celebrities of real estate for YouTube or Facebook or bigger pockets. And um, yeah, really your stuff is just awesome. So I've been sharing it a lot. I know people that follow this podcast also follow your stuff and you know, you're doing great. And we'll get into what you're doing digitally. But um, for those that do not know who have been living under a rock, um, could you give just a quick background on yourself and what you're, current real estate focus is or where it brought you to? Okay, quick background. Uh, born and raised in Las Vegas. I have an electrical engineering degree from um, University of Las Vegas. And the reason I'm telling you that because it goes into what I've done later. Uh, went into corporate America and I just didn't fit in. Um, this is going to... Uh, this is going to be very dominant in this conversation, but I have a working class, lower income background. And so being smart is great, but going into corporate America and being blunt and outspoken and loud and likes to laugh and have a good time, not quite hitting it on the corporates. <laughs> not, it's, not, it's not something that easily gels with the corporate, right? And so I always just felt, I don't want to code switch. I don't want to pretend to be something I'm not. I don't want to pretend to be... I don't want to hold my tongue when you're doing something wrong. I, there's tact, but then there's also like, y'all are just being foul or that's not going to work or you don't see this. And so learning to play office politics, it was just not something I was even remotely interested in. And so there was this thing with me within anything between two to three years, I'd quit or I'd get fired <laughs> or I'd get laid off. It was one of the three. I'm like, Ugh, you people, no, not good enough for me. I can't shine. I'm too brilliant for this. And you can call it arrogant or what, but I was, I don't, I, or, or just they're like, uh, Lisa, this isn't going to work out. You don't want to get here at eight o'clock. And I'm like, there's no reason to. And I know that sounds crazy, but in my heart, I was like, I don't need to get here at eight o'clock to be effective. I can be here at eight 30 or nine. And I know that sounds crazy to you, but I'm like, it really didn't make a difference other than like some archaic system that you implemented that means nothing to my productivity. And that sort of is, and you can say whatever you want, but I want this life to be happy and I want to live a certain life. And so in 2000, like I always have been interested in houses. So my first job out of college in 2006, I purchased a house that was at the top of the market in Las Vegas. 
um, like two years in, I got laid off. I went to Ohio because I finally found a job that sort of paid the same and a little bit more. And um, I was paying so much money because the rent was only 1300 and the mortgage was hundreds more than $1,300. So I was paying all this extra money just to keep it afloat. And not, but then when I got laid off at this other job, I'm like, okay, so I have to lose the house. You know, that sort of sparked everything. Um, so what happened was I lost the house of foreclosure because um, I just didn't have a job anymore and it was super expensive. I had bought at the top of the market. It had lost 60% of its value in Las Vegas. FYI, it's been 10 years. I looked back. It still has not recovered what I purchased wow. in 2006. All right. All that wow. time. All, it still hasn't recovered. It was so overpriced. I didn't know a lot then, but mm -hmm. it was such a learning experience. And I was young, so I was like, you know, I got seven years to wait for foreclosure to drop off my credit report. And so what it did though, so sometimes there's blessings and tragedies if you can look back at it. What it did was go, I'm not gonna wait seven years until I buy anything. I'm gonna buy low cost houses. I found in Ohio that they exist. Houses cost $10,000, $15,000. I had no clue living in Vegas that that was a thing, like at all. But I was like, so I had purchased a condo right before I lost my house to foreclosure. And it was $35,000. It was in a nice neighborhood. It was like, it was really nice. I was like, what? And so I finally eventually got another job in DC, but I was like, let's do this again. I know this is happening. I know these working class, I know a working class neighborhood. That's where I'm from. And I was able to recreate the process in Virginia. I was able to do it in Maryland. And I was like, this is a thing. And at that moment, I was like, I got to tell people about this. And my boyfriend at the time said, don't you need like 20 houses though before people take you seriously? And I said, no. <laughs> Some good information. <laughs> I bought a house for $13,000. I bought one for $25,000. I bought one for, no, this is good information. So I was like, do I go to the library? But I was like, that's not big enough. And then I just went to YouTube. And the reason I mentioned engineering is because Engineering taught me about processes, systems, breaking very complex items. And if you've never taken electromagnetics, okay, you have no clue how complex it could be, all right? <laughs> so breaking very complex things and breaking it down to its base parts. Basically six years of learning how to do that. And so when I approached engineering, it's very funny because I find that I broke it down with that same engineering. Okay, it can be very complex. Let's break it down and all these parts. Let's mm -hmm. get it out. I am naturally at the soul level. I am a teacher. Like I teach. And so that was, that's a gift. Right. And so I just took the training of the engineering and like to be able to present it as just like someone who just naturally teaches. You should see my daughter. She's three. Like I'm already teaching her, but that's, you know, some of us just have that, uh, at like as a gift, like you just can teach or some of them are just charming and some people are just la whatever. Some people just have gifts, like own it. And so be, taking that engineering background, I find that engineers really can read what I say or people who are technical and they could just run with it because we're talking the same language that we learned to understand to take in and tackle uh, big, large, complex problems. And so um, I started on YouTube and there was a lot of pushback. We can get into that. We can talk about who pushed back, who did it, who resonated and who didn't. But so that's the story of um, how I got here. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say if there's one lesson to be learned from that, you don't need 20 houses to be able to help somebody because I can help people to their first three. 
And sometimes that is, um, a lot of the times that's more relatable and digestible. 100%. And that was an awesome summary of what you've done, what you're currently doing, because I think for you, it seemed to branch off into a couple directions of one investing, one teaching, and then one um, on a digital front that you've talked to. I, I do have to ask, I'm curious, what was it like at the beginning when you were getting started? And, and I'll just preface it by saying, I love that you powered through and just started creating content when I do hear it so often that people use that self-talk, that bad self-talk for themselves saying, I can't create stuff. I can't teach people stuff. I can't start syndicating or doing bigger deals because I haven't done enough. Well, one is, when is ever enough? You may have learned something on your first deal that you could teach someone that'll save them X amount of dollars or time. So I love that you powered through that and you just did it. So yes. what was that like at the beginning? It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. What was that like at the beginning? <laughs> uh, just uh, uh, the fact that I didn't have like a huge portfolio. I wasn't making billions, but I decided to put it out there. So where they were coming from with that, I did. I didn't want to stop it because I'm like, dude, I won't have 20 houses until I'm like 60 in my head, right? I was like, that'll be 40 years from now, 30 years. Like, I, I can't let people not know this. And mm -hmm. so here's one thought I had that helped me through it. I'm only going to talk about what I know. I'll be clear about what I know. So I'm like, I did this out. I did this. I did this. I'm just, so take it or leave it, right? So I'm just, I'll be very clear about what I do know. I'm not going to say I have 20. I'm not, you know what I mean? And so I was like, so if you can take me being very honest about, I just have three, but they're successful. It works. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I could do more if I had more money. Um, so I was very clear about that to handle that um, um, pushback. Uh, and also it was, um, it was, it was just the idea that I have to get this out there because I was looking at people like me. I grew up poor. But um, a lot of us have smarts and skills and we're adaptable and we can thrive, right? Not everyone can do that from where we're from, mm -hmm. where I'm from. That's a privilege. I always think if you have privilege, it is our spiritual gift to give back. And so I knew there are people out there like me who, when you go to the main blogs, right? And you talk about, what about this $14,000 house in the rough part of town? They will say, absolutely not. Those people. You can't do it. Tons of headaches. And I just knew at the soul level. So I'm going to talk about internal intuition in your soul. I just knew they were talking about my neighborhood mm. that was so safe. Everyone knew each other. Everyone took care of each other. There is no crime, not a bike, pillow, nothing stolen. Nothing, right? But I remember some people, I overheard some people. And um, I remember I was in a store one day and I heard two girls talking and they were talking about how they were over in our neighborhoods and the cops called them was like, what are you doing here? It was near my, like our, our place. And the cops was like, you shouldn't be here. And I'm looking like, this is the safest place in the world. So at some level, I knew that people had these stereotypes about what a poor minority neighborhood is. But the reality growing up there is like, dude, it's not that bad. Like chill. chill. Mm -hmm. um, yes, you saw some variable activities, but like, to be honest, and I really started studying class because I had such navigation into different socioeconomic. When you have a degree, you're in a different platform. Uh, when you join an IBM or consulting, you're in a different social economic level, right? Yeah. Um, you know, as an investor, you're in a different. And so I did a lot of study in a class um, and whatnot. And like, I embrace the fact that generally working class communities, low income, you have to rely on each other. And there's so much 
our communities and those neighborhoods. Now I'm in my, my nice little fancy house. I was like, I don't even know my neighbors. Whereas in, you know, the working class neighborhood I grew up in, there's a sense of taking care of each other and borrowing and call. I can call my neighbors for anything. They called us for anything. There wasn't a day that we went by where we weren't borrowing something. They weren't borrowing something. Or I had to call Millie because something was going on here and there were some adult things that I was a kid. That was Millie, my neighbor, for like 20 years. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So there's such a community. There's such an outspokenness. There's so much fun in these communities that people don't know about. But I was like, I'm not ashamed of where I came from. I was sure. happy. I was safe. I was smart. I don't know what your problem is. So when these people started talking and badmouthing, I was just like, I just know they're talking about my neighborhood. And they don't have the discernment to be able to go, this neighborhood is different than this. This is different than this. And so knowing that there was so much pushback and negativity around it, I just knew they didn't know what they were talking about, just to be quite honest, or they didn't work familiar with it. And so that helped me push through as well. And that was just a soul level thing. I know what it was like to grow up in a low income working class community. You know what I mean? And so I, 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 you can just tell by the comments they didn't. And that was one thing was like, our story needs to be told. I think working class culture is one of the most amazing cultures. You tell me a better one, right? I think it's, it's fun. It's inviting. It's, it's the kind of culture where, you know, my mom had seven kids and everybody in the neighborhood came to our house because when you have seven kids, you're friends with everyone. So everyone's always at sure. your house. It's the kind of culture where I came in the house. I don't even know these kids. I'm assuming they're with my brothers. <laughs> they could have been strangers playing Nintendo. You don't even ask. They're eating from your fridge. Like, that's where I come from. And I'll tell you what, that's the kind of community I'd love for every social strata to have. Like, that's love. That's, mm -hmm. that's being there. So I just wasn't ashamed of that. And I knew it was their stereotypes. So I was like, well, let's, let's talk about where I come from. I love it, you, you know? And um, there is a lot of classism who look down their nose at how and I am about it because I tell people no I grew up poor and they're like oh I'm like no, was, I had fun I don't know about you we, we had a great I did a lot of bad things but it was like safe bad we're like <laughs> it was like you know you got a group of kids so you got to get into stuff but it wasn't too bad because like there's this natural big kids take care of little kids do you know what I mean sure. like it didn't sure. get too out of hand there's a natural caring and nurturing of each other and so knowing that it just helped me go no I'm not listening to that but I am going to present it, but I hear you. So all the things that they said would go wrong. I'm like this in my engineering way, this is how you circumvent and mediate that risk. So that just keeps coming in. So I heard you, but everything mm -hmm. you said can be ameliorated, can be mitigated, can be um, thoughtfully checked out. And so the, I incorporated that too. So I listened, I didn't mm -hmm. stop, but I did listen. I think it's a really good point that you, you did take note, but you realized that there was enough backing behind your strategy that one, it was feasible, not just because you were having success with it, but there are many other people that I think look at real estate as something that's unattainable or has too high a barrier to entry that they can't get into it. So I think you're appealing to a big audience, but also realizing that it can work for you. And if you put a system in place, it becomes very repeatable. So I think it's amazing. I'm really curious. So after, and one other comment, I just love how transparent you are with one, your background, but also some of the challenges you've had with real estate as well. Because I, one thing that really bothers me on a lot of the podcasts is how um, people, they never talk about a bad deal. They talk about their best deal, their home run deal, which I still, again, I think that's demoralizing for people that haven't done real estate or think it's this difficult thing where 
they're thinking about it. Wow. How can I compete with these people hitting home runs when I'm going to fail my first time, you know? So anyway, I, I would love to hear um, from your first deal from the real estate side of things. And we'll get into a couple of the other parts later, but from the real estate side of things, how did you like scale after your first deal or what was your second or what was your progression? Um, you know, consecutive deals that you did to get you to where you are now. Um, so you want me to walk through the first few deals? Yeah, that'd be perfect. Okay. Um, so the first one I purchased, I purchased as like a primary in Ohio. I was like, I was in Dayton, but I didn't like it. So in Columbus, Ohio, I'd go there every weekend because I'm from Las Vegas and Dayton. I mean, they try, but it was just too tame for me. I need more <laughs> excitement. I need just parties. You know, what I mean? I'm just, I'm a, Okay, I'm gonna get into the. I'm a Leo rising. Leo rising personalities mean we're like uh, the sun. We're like the the we're, we're we're showboat. We're performances. We have shine and charisma. Like we like being out there and talking. And Dayton was just too slow. But Columbus, I was like, all right, we could chill, right? That or Cleveland. And so I got there. And so I bought a thirty-five thousand dollar condo. It was gonna be like my part-time thing. But the the thing was, it was three hundred and fifty dollars, um, a month in rent. Right. And the apartment I had in Dayton was six hundred dollars. So it was like twelve hundred square foot apartment. So I'm like, oh, I could afford nine fifty and like keep the part time thing and just go out there. Um, I lost my job like ten days after I bought it. So then I just moved to the Columbus, Ohio place. <laughs> so uh, that laid off. Um, so then I just moved to the Columbus, Ohio. So I will say that was a thirty five thousand dollar investment in a nice neighborhood. It's not as cash flowing because I bought it as my primary. So it never really is if you buy it as your primary because you're not thinking like an investor. But when I went out to the DC area, I was like, let's repeat this process. So I was, I, I took the map and I had this sort of way of like sort of checking it out. And I was like, oh, Baltimore, we have a place. And so I went to Baltimore and I found a property for $13,000. I looked at about 15 properties. Some were in neighborhoods. I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> save my working class. Uh, <laughs> a, little, a little rough for me. <laughs> Baltimore has some very deep levels of poverty. Sometimes it looks very, like there's some places it is very third worldish. Okay. And that is a system I really hope that they get a handle on. So some places was like, wow, no, even for me. And I'm pretty brave. Um, but there are others that were fine. And I was like, Hey, this is good. The neighbors were like, worked for the city. And you know what I mean? Like these are nice working class people who make hourly wages, um, who are doing something. Um, uh, I checked it out with my metrics. I look at crime, I look at the photos, I look at other things as well. There's like a whole list of things we look at, everything checked out. So mm -hmm. I went for it and it was $13,000. Um, I spent about 20,000 fixing it up between cash and credit. I actually had about 18,000 in my 401k. And at that time I was like, let me take it and do this because this could make me money. And it did. So it was actually, and you can't get returns like I got on this house for five years. Like you, you can't, you can't do that in your 401k. You can't. Mm -hmm. So I took it out and I was okay with that decision. Cause I was like, I got years ahead of me. I, and I do, I've built up my 401k since then. Right. So, um, I was okay with that decision. You make your own decision, how comfortable you are taking some out, but it was 18,000. So if you have a hundred thousand and want to take out 15, you know, I think that's doable if it's for an income producing asset that will build wealth for you over time. Right. Not just frivolously. Um, so that, that worked. And I was like, solid okay let's do this again baltimore was a little annoying uh which i actually have it on my baltimore can be very annoying i have it on my blog post what i don't like about it we'll go into <laughs> it here so i was like let's do this again but let's go to virginia and i found something in virginia it was twenty five thousand. so not 13 it was 25 
but it was, um, I, I liked it. It was in great condition, good, a solid working class neighborhood. Um, now everywhere I mentioned has like gentrified because once I told my very big platform about it, everyone purchased there. So now the prices are sky high. But before that, it was just pretty reasonable. And I was like, okay, this is a repeatable system. I use the exact same steps I use for these other two to find this. We're good. Um, and that's when I started taking it to the people. And after that, I sort of went through um, like a year or two of turning my own house into an Airbnb. So it was different. It wasn't the passive income, but you actually make more money. Because mm -hmm. we were bringing in 1500 to 1900 a month in cash flow. So between all of them, within about two, three years, we're at about $4,000 in cash flow, right? So um, it just goes quickly because it costs so little and you pay it off so quickly. It just mm -hmm. scales very rapidly. So just being very discerning about it. This is a, I love to say this, this is a five to 10 year thing, okay? Before you have some level of freedom. Um, so... $4,000 is significant. And that was Airbnb, right? So without that, it was about 2000 right? Sure. 2200 in cash flow between my three properties. But that's enough, right? Like that wasn't, it's not replacing a six-figure salary. It's not replacing 70000 But I always like to tell people, this is a value of 2000 a month in cash flow, which took about two years to get to. It's enough so that my husband was working and I was like, let me, let me build this teaching platform because I'm making impact. I love the feedback I get, I love what I'm doing, but it gave me the goal to go, like, I can focus on this for six months and I don't have to worry about getting a job. It gives you the ability to go, let me write a book for six months. It gives you the ability to go, you know, I always wanted to do this, so let me try it for, say, or maybe it goes, I just lost my job, but maybe I can go over to Vietnam for six months. I just met some missionaries who, like, want to go there. I was like, you can do it, mm -hmm. right? So it's not replacing necessarily your salary, although for some it can. Because uh, I know people who bring home 2200 a month, right? Like that is a real salary people live on. But if you're at the higher end, it's enough for you to go, I always wanted to do this and give back or do this or help this person, help my family, help this community. It gives you that freedom to maybe take a, a side track to do that, which is more fulfilling our human purpose because us being nine to five wage slaves is not it, right? But you using your platform to inspire people is. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100%. what has more benefit to the public, right? What benefits the world? Your inspiration, not me clocking in as a technical consultant working on data stage, you know, or, or you know, a, a database management system. That helps the company. That's not helping the world. And so I like to tell people, it's okay to be modest. I was ecstatic at 1900. I was like, cool, I, I could live off this. And so <laughs> I could. I lived off $700, $800 a month as like, a college student. Trust I can live off 2000 right? 100%. Um, I, I was just going to say, I think you talked about a couple really good points there. One being, um, it's, it's a better way to at least create some passive income. Um, and if you do, let's say even house hack, and then you start generating a couple thousand a month, it might not replace a high wage, but you do have the option, especially if you don't have the housing costs, which we all know is for most people, the biggest line item. And then you're making a couple thousand passively. It actually could. And we find this all the time. It goes a lot further for people than they think when they're getting rid of their big mortgage payment or their big rent payment. So I think that's a really good point there. The second thing I heard you say that was really interesting, just at least from like starting and then like scaling this is that it can free you up to do other things, which I consider, and we've talked about a lot on this podcast or kind of like your highest and best use of your time or your highest and best work. 
And um, I I think that's such a good point. You can impact so much more change once you're freed up to create content or help people or start something. So I I could not agree with that more. Um, One question, just hearing kind of how you started and you took massive action um, and you seem like just someone that jumps in and does it. I'm really curious Mm -hmm. for looking back on your, let's say first 10 transactions or first five or however, you know, long you would consider your start. Um, would you consider that a, a repeatable approach for someone else or was there anything you would do differently or any advice you'd give to yourself starting out again? Everything was a learning experience. So even like bad things that happened, I'm sort of okay with. Sure. Um, I would, here's what I didn't, wouldn't do it differently. Some of us are equipped to handle a lot. Um, I am equipped to handle a lot of disappointment. I'm equipped to take massive action. That is literally, I looked up my numerology and like my arrow of strength, which is if you look at Chinese numerology is like action. I was born to take action. Other people can't, I do it. I, I can't stop taking action. So I understand that was a soul level gift. So the things that I do, I can look back and be like, oh, I was made to do this. Uh, I'm a healer. Healers are generally made um, who are able to take a lot of disappointment and carry that on their shoulders and it doesn't faze them. So the reason, and I want to tell you this, the reason I wouldn't necessarily do anything different, but I will advise people for the future, is because I was made to go through all those things so then I could give that back in a form that is practical to the people. So I had to go through that. I was made to go through it. I was made to bury, carry all of those burdens rather well like I had a foreclosure and I was like whatever the banks don't want to work with me they don't get no money and everybody else is embarrassed <laughs> I was like whatever I got things to do like you know like I understand that I have a different signature but I was given that so I could handle so much heavy things so I wouldn't personally change what I did but what I do know now <laughs> you know um what wasn't out there before is out there now right so they didn't have as many bloggers talking about lower cost ways to get started it was mostly just wholesaling, but I'm not into that because that's a lot of work. But um, let's just stick with real properties. There wasn't anyone talking about real properties in lower price range. Listen, at the very minimum, you can get a book. I wrote one. It's five bucks. The audio book is coming out next week, right? Mm-hmm. So at the minimum, there are YouTubes and blogs that weren't talking about this that are now. I have sent since I started, there's like two other people. Like I think Jesse Wright, uh, I think the guy on Bigger Pockets named Sterling, Sterling's something, I forget his name, but uh, are now talking about this. So you have me who are putting out information and content on teaching. You have two other people and you have, I have a Facebook group of people who are very knowledgeable and skillful. They're putting out content. So um, what I would say now, because we've laid the groundwork, we've had the successes, we've shown a repeatable method that works consistently. I would say now take advantage of that. Read a book, okay? A $5 book, okay? That there's such a difference between reading a single book that has been well um, curated, well reviewed, versus you trying to go on the internet and, and scour for hours all this competing information that can be directly conflicting because not everyone's a good teacher, okay? Someone mm-hmm. knows their stuff and is successful, but they didn't explain it in a way that made it concrete to you because they didn't tell you, oh, this is if you have a lot of money or you live in. Iowa, or, you know, if they weren't able to explain all those different intricacies uh, and nuances, you don't get the whole story, and it doesn't make sense. And you trying to do an hour of trying to piece it together and not knowing the full story because someone didn't present it to you in a very clear way 
is not, I mean, that's just not helpful. How, that's just not helpful. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I would say now take advantage of these resources, take advantage of this. If you're the low cost, we have low cost like educators on this, on getting involved in rental properties. Um, but reading a book is like a big deal. And I think people lost the art of that. And so since I launched my book two years ago, I'm getting people who find me through Amazon because um, I'm on three bestsellers lists. I'm very grateful. I didn't expect that. Wow, that's but I'm awesome. very grateful. My smiling Seriously, that's face. that's awesome. It is. I didn't expect that at all. But my smiling face is in the top 10. People find me through that. Um, Got it right here. Yeah. Did you, did you like it? That's the Loved big question. It. Loved it. And gifted Good. it a couple of times already. And the feedback. Awesome. Is yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> awesome. And so, um, and so I'm finding people through that and the people who I find through the book versus like who scour the internet for hours, it's just the concreteness and like a focus they have because they didn't get all that com just competing information on the same subject. So keep that in mind, right? And um, a lot of free information. Yeah, I am a paid coach and mentor. I'm 100% worth it. Don't get me wrong. I like to say I'm one of the best. I think I'd like to have a coach off one day where people just ask us questions, all the other coaches, and we just like, boom, boom, answer, because I know I'd dominate and kill it. Like, <laughs> I would just, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I do this every day. Okay, let's go. Give me a city. I'll tell you all about it. What's going on? So, you know, there's people like me who are really good at our craft who do it. You know, you can pay us for our training, coaching, or books. But um, there's also other people out there. So just take advantage of that. That wasn't out there before, but we really laid the groundwork. So take advantage of that work we laid down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's really good. You did just mention a couple things just about what you're doing now. And like, I, like you talked about, and I, I'll put all, all that out there and some of the links to this. But um, you talk about it in a book, a lot of the tangible stuff. Um, just one thing I wanted to, to ask you about specifically on the podcast, because we do have a lot of investors who are in what I would, or at least they're letting their excuse be the fact that they're in more expensive markets. And I love um, a couple of parts of the book you talk about. One specifically that my brother actually mapped out and you were the first person that I'd seen talk about it other than him publicly is your proximity to get to an out-of-state investment by how many flights go yeah. there, how much they typically cost, just your ease of entry in and out. Um, but yeah. just from a high level, how would you recommend for someone that is using that as their excuse um, that they live in an expensive city and they can't find anything around them? How would you recommend or advise that person to find a market that um, has opportunity? There are some intricacies that go into it. It's not just finding a cheap house in a market because if you have five markets to choose from, which one do you choose? So there is a level of detail and thoughtful, thoughtfulness and discernment that needs to go into that. But uh, first on the psychological part, I just want you to know it's not that bad. If you have to drive an hour and a half on the weekends, I did it. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, key point, I used to hang out. I was in D.C. at the time. I, people in D.C. can party, okay? So I was going out like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But what happened, I was going out to Baltimore and then Richmond um, on the weekends to get this dream going. I had to cut out Friday night parties, right? Some friends were salty. Um, but I, I just say that because sometimes there's going to be things that with you and your dreams, it doesn't really coincide with other people who want maybe your time. And sometimes you're going to have to make the decision. It's your dream or it's me going to party, right? Mm -hmm. Every weekend with this wild group, I had a wild group, which I hope you're not surprised about. I'm from Vegas. So love it. They love are it. crazy. <laughs> uh, sometimes it comes back to haunt me. We're like, I was at that party, Lisa. I'm like, Oh, can you be quiet about that? Uh, 
Feeling was flowing. Uh, so, um, so sometimes it's okay. So I stopped writing on Friday night so I can get up at seven, be on the road by 7.30. I'd get there by 8.30, nine o'clock, right? On the, on the weekends. And I'd come back at four. Um, so psychologically, I want you to know it's doable, okay? And I, uh, this is the kind of person I am. I would go to Baltimore and Richmond. I'm like, let's find a new restaurant we've never been to. So I enjoyed it because we always go to eat someplace nice because we spent all day working. And it's like mm. we feast on like, oh, like Baltimore has the best Greek food and the best Italian food, like really ethnic, right? Like, you know, Polish food, this and that. So I, it was just, you can enjoy your time. It can be hard work, but it could also be something nice to enjoy when you get home. Um, uh, that's where I discovered Chaps Pit Beef. I don't know if everyone knows about it, but I actually found it because I smelled it waiting at a stoplight and saw a line of people when I went there. And that was like our go-to place every no, what is that? Weekend. I actually don't know. I so never it's heard sort of, of famous because um, Diners, Dives, and, and whatever by, I think, Guy Fieri. But it's sort of uh, famous. People travel from all over to go there. And um, it's just funny that I found it because I smelled it and I was hungry. And it was long line. And I was like, long line, smells good. You got to try it, right? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> so, so, so psychologically, this can be very fun and this can be very easy. Just wake up early, get there and come back. If that's what, then it's an, an hour and a half, an hour to two hour drive. So just, it's not that big a deal. Now, if you have to take a plane, I do have other advice for you. I want you to focus on markets that have more multifamilies. Um, and there's other things, make sure that it's, um, the costs are low to get there, like factor that in. Now I had someone who were looking at two markets. One was like 150 round trip. One was 350. He actually chose the 350 because the market and the indicators, which I teach people to look at and how to analyze just had better signals for massive growth. Right? So, um, sometimes you do choose something that's not as easy to get to, but the cash flow and the returns are greater. Right? But I like people to make that as an informed decision, not an ignorant, this is my only option decision. It's never your only option, right? It's just a whole bunch of trade-offs. And she was like, I'm cool. I'm cool with the extra money because that market is lit, okay? <laughs> um, you know, he was cool. He was so, he was in Florida and he had a closer one in Alabama, but chose, you know, um, chose Missouri, right? And yep. um, so there's going to be a lot of choices. So I always tell people, if you get my training, you're going to get so many choices. But if I work with you one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, the difference between my training, like, you're going to give me 20 options you never knew about. I'm going to tell you, cut out the 18, let's just focus on these two. So that's what the one-on-one -on -one does because of the experience. And I'm like, look, for you and what you're trying to do, boom. But um, there's a lot more options out there and you can be very strategic and methodical about going through it. Um, I do talk about my spirit and my soul because I've done a lot of work on like, there's different markers you can get about it. Um, and I have learned that what I'm doing, like me disseminating it for everything I went through in life, I was supposed to disseminate this to help other people get financial freedom. So then they can go on to do their sole purpose and their impact. Mm. So I will incorporate that in my, I'm like a very spiritual real estate investor. I incorporate that in my talk because it's, um, it, you know, so when I help people, there is an ease and a flow, right? But I'm like, you know, I'm being supported and you're being supported on high because this is what I'm supposed to do and what you're supposed to do. So you can go on to get financial abundance in a way that you can then go on and make your impact in the world because this nine to five thing is not what we're here to do. It just isn't. It just it's not, I'm telling you, it's not, we're not here to work 100%. for them. We're 100%. here to be here and you're here to help the people on the street. You're here to help homeless. You're here to help mothers who are struggling. You're here to help people who are in prison getting out. That's what we're here to do. It has nothing to do with sitting at a desk. Are you with me? Even though that pays the bill. So this is like, there, there is like a higher calling than what we do. 
Um, so uh, out-of-state investing, sorry about that. But, you know, like it comes to that out-of-state investing, I had to talk about like there are nuances and that's sort of how it presents itself and how we deal with it. Um, so, you know, ease of use and access. So just learning those dynamics. And what I like to teach people is not, don't, don't just do this. I don't do that. It's this is what you're looking at. And all of this is a tapestry of different like pieces of fabric that come together to blend into a beautiful fabric of your portfolio. So I like to teach people how that interconnectedness of these different parts easily and effortlessly work together. And so that part, like, I just want you to know that is out there and you can do it. And you take up all these little pieces that add up to, this is easier than I thought. This was more concrete than I thought. So I want you to know it's, it's doable. All of my clients I work with typically, honestly, 90%, New York, DC, California, Texas, Atlanta, period. Are you with mm -hmm. me? And they're all investing long distance. It could be an hour away. It could be two hours away. It could be by flight. And we've all done it with ease. What do you typically find for the people that come to you with that list of 20 and then you narrow it down to 18? Yeah. What are, what are yeah. the typical? Because I'm, I'm sure there are people listening to this again in some of those higher price markets that are thinking, yeah. um, do I just look at any main city and just filter under X dollar? Or what are typically the ways that you would cut down a list like that or help someone start a list of cities? There's like this detailed training I do that goes into like all the 10 metrics that you need to look at. And so I have them gather that data. And so it's just really easy once they gather it for them and for me mm -hmm. to be like, all right, take these off the market. Too expensive, too long, not enough inventory, um, market stagnating. Um, so there's just different, um, a whole list of metrics I have them um, look up and gather that it's freely available. And so when we go through all of them, it just makes it easy. Sometimes people want to skip that and I'm like, nope, go back mm -hmm. because uh, the system I created, the numbers tell you the story it, and it's not hard after that. Does that make sense? And then I pretty much there's, if you name a market, I know what's, what's going on because I work with people every single day. We look at markets every day. I'm analyzing it every single day. Been doing this for eight years, have very successful track rate with my clients. So um, I, so that's when that extra, okay, let me tell you about these markets that you're looking at. I know these markets and this is what you can expect for you, maybe your budget, what you're looking for or your price range or um, how far you have to travel or your, your, if you don't like to travel, I'll start letting them know for you specifically, let's take these ones out. So there is a list of metrics. I do a training and it's really detailed and I can't, you know, a podcast just isn't the place because I like literally sure. show people on screen where to get the information, how to plug it and how to compare it but um uh, just sort of the ones i mentioned plus about five or six other and then it, it gets tailored based on your budget your place and um, other things i'll ask you about if you're comfortable with 100 um, percent. So yeah, the, the, the thing the thing i take away from that is is that there should be a portion of your process a majority of portion of your process at the beginning, making sure that you're focusing on the right markets instead of just going with the wrong approach yeah. and buying something that's going to be potentially um, a, a quote unquote cheap property, which is not necessarily right. a good property. You can find a property that instead of using the word cheap, just still has a good value for whatever your business model is. So um, that's a really, really good point. Um, one, one, one more thing. point on top oh, of yeah. that. One more point on top of that. Oh, and I forgot this, property management. Okay, so not all property managers are great, okay? Mm. Uh, some are great, some are not great. Some people are great, some people are not great, right? So same thing within, you know, property managers are people. Um, that's a big part of investing long distance. So uh, what you said is accurate and you picked up on it. I spend more time figuring out the market. So when I first work with people, they're like, I found these houses. I'm like, I ain't even looking. We need to make sure the market <laughs> 
Because if it's a dead market, I don't care if it's cheap. You're not, your property's not going to go anywhere, right? Mm. It's actually going to get pulled down. So I have to do this. I have to retrain people to go um, from house first to market first. And what I like about that is that you really learn the fundamentals of real estate investing. So when McDonald's chooses a place or IBM or PayPal chooses a new headquarters, you're going to understand, even though you're an investor at a small scale, you're going to understand why they did it. And so that market analysis is so big because that tells the story and the trend. And I like to teach that. But then property management on top of that. So I spend more time on the market because once we find the right market, the house is already there. We already accounted for it. But we also accounted for the other things of you being a long distance landlord. Property management, not every property management is good. So we really focus on making sure we vet the quality of property management before we do it. So we find a cheap house in maybe a rural area, no property management companies. And the question hmm. is, I know it looks cheap. I know it's in great condition. I know it's $20,000, right? I know it gets good rent. You are an hour, two hours of plan right away. Do you want to manage that and be a landlord or do you not? Because we pass over cheap properties because if the answer is absolutely not, I do not want to take it over. We have to look for another market that, can, that, that has vetted um, property managers. And so, and I say that story because it's like, we pass things up because you ultimately want X. And, and not all property managers are the same. You saw I have a list of 10 questions. They're really good questions to ask them. I've explained why you asked them that in the book. And um, you know that, you know what I mean? So we have to look at that and um, understand sometimes we pass things up. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get to a more discerning level. It's not just about a house. There's all these different items that need to go into the decision to do it thoughtfully. 100%. Really good answer. Um, that, yeah, that all makes tons of sense. I, I would say for people that are looking to dig into some of the more tangible aspects, it's obviously going to depend on your situation, but it really is laid out phenomenally well in the book. And I'm, I'm not saying that as a plug because we've had other people on that have written books and I haven't said it so specifically like that. Like you have a very simple framework and scripts and process in the book that I just consider very repeatable and anyone can take action on immediately. So you touched on a lot of the high level points, but I really think anyone guys check the book out. Like it's very simple. And then it'll, your, your content online is also very consumable, but the book is just like more of a, a short textbook, which mm -hmm. I like in this case, which is just a step-by-step -step how to. So really, yeah. really good stuff there. Um, Kind of going into the wind down here, um, before we do, I just have one question I would love to get your answer on um, as far as taking action and process. Um, mm -hmm. How do you distinguish um, execution and strategy? Like I think a lot of people, they spend all their time on strategy and no time on executing and they just wait years oh. before they do anything. And then there's a lot of people <laughs> yeah. I know that they just jump yeah. in with two feet, not as many, but there are people I know that jump in with two feet. They do zero research. They take massive action. Yeah. They learn along the way. So how do you think yeah. about, I guess, the balance between strategy and execution? Um, so I just do analysis like in front of my computer. A lot of the analysis is done before I even step foot out there, right? So I would guess, so for me, it's just, and maybe advice I'd give people who um, need a little balance I say study it as long as it, um, until it feels right in front of the computer, right? So you check this, you check that, you check this, you check, okay, all that checks out in front of the computer. Once you get to that, it checks out, you gotta schedule a trip because there's an energy that 
and that will fuel your experience just going out there and looking. You'll get the feel, oh, this is what these neighborhoods look like. This is what this looks like. You can feel the difference between one neighborhood, one block to another, and there's nothing that will ever replace that. So I'd say just get to a point where you're comfortable online in front of your computer at what you've chosen to do, but then go do it even if it doesn't work out the first time. I'm always okay if I go out and I don't find anything and not to be rushed. And be okay with not like having to hit it out the park the first time. That's something I'm very comfortable with failure in a way other people aren't. I'm not a perfectionist. Things don't have to look right. I've been doing my blog for nine years. I still don't have flashy photos going across my screen. I don't have lights. I still haven't like changed my intro music. Like, and I'm just not like that, right? Like, be, <laughs> I'm not telling you to be okay, like not presenting yourself well, but like, I'm so okay with like just not doing extra stuff and maybe a little bit with the minimum. Maybe I'm okay with doing the minimum. I'll just say it. I'm the lazy CEO, but because of that, like I'm really good at making processes and outsourcing. Do you know what I mean? It's because I don't want to do it. So like, just be okay if like you go out and it doesn't work, but you got the feel for going out. Like getting the feel for going out and looking at properties is a skill because then you can start to recognize on your second trip. I know what the different neighborhoods feel like. So now I know that I don't have to go to this neighborhood that looks really rough to me. Maybe not to Lisa, but to me, to you, it does look rough, but I know these are fine. I know that these are out there. So you just going out there once you get comfortable on the computer is the experience you need because every single time you go out, you're going to get a better idea for that community or market. What you can expect in that price range, is it a dud? And do you have to switch to another market? Or you're like, no, I can work with the, what I've seen here. And you just have to take that time and do it and build your foundation. So it's okay, right? So get comfortable from the computer and then go out there. So even if you don't hit it out the park, understand you're gaining perspective and skill sets, okay? That are going to help. So when someone else asks you about that community, you're like, look, I didn't ultimately buy there, but I went there and this is what I saw. And you can teach someone that. So it is a skill set. So just try to look at it in, you're building a foundation and some of the foundation means you gotta work a little bit, but that's okay. You don't have to rush into buying anything. You don't have to, Submit a bit immediately if that's not what you're comfortable with, but you going out there is a skill set. And can you imagine, Jonathan, if everyone just sort of, even if they didn't buy, just went out there? Is it like that's all you have to do to get a feel for it? Like, you don't have to do too much. Even if you don't buy, just going out there is enough for you to inform your thoughts and even to help others. Love that. What I'm hearing you say, it's just about, for you at least, more about consistent action over instead of perfection. And you'll figure it out along yes. the way. And you'll be good as long as you keep moving and learn and it's such a better alternative or potential outcome than not doing anything. So I love that. And I, I think the way you explained it, um, especially with your, your process mindset and your engineering mindset is um, really effective. So I think people can get a lot out of that and I hope they listen to that and, and use that. Um, going into actual process a little bit, um, and this is kind of just part of the wind down, some of the tangible stuff that uh, I would also consider myself process driven and I like to have a plan and steps and, you know, cross things off. So for you right now, um, what do you look at as your day-to-day -day process or steps that you're focused on right now to um, move your business forward or key metrics that you're looking to knock out that are measurable and you can, you can focus on for growing your business? 
Okay, so is this uh, as far as real estate investing? Because I really focus on different passive income streams too, in addition to rental properties. So which one did you want to talk I, about? I honestly, if, if you could give a high level on maybe the, the whichever two are most important to you right now, it doesn't even have to be real estate. If it's coaching or teaching or if it's real estate and one of yeah. them, you know, whatever, I guess, um, activities okay. or actions. Yeah. So as a, I'm self-employed now and I have been for about four years, um, as a self-employed person, getting a, a loan is so annoyingly difficult. I just decided if I do get any more um, properties, I'm going to go the personal loan route, which has a higher payment because it's like five years at 10% interest. But I tend, those houses that I brought with a personal loan, I paid off within two to three years um, because the payment's so high. So even though my cash flow for the first year was like negative maybe a hundred and then it was like break even year two but year three it was like 300 in cash flow year four was 500 in cash flow and year five you paid it off and i was like oh 800 a month so i just decided that even though it's a higher payment i actually like doing the personal loan route and it's easier to get than um uh, a mortgage i'm actually gonna go that route for the rest of my and just be comfortable with being cash flow negative the first year or two um, to do it. So that's a very big decision. But like, when I look back, I'm like, I'm still paying off that $35,000 condo, but the other two houses I bought with a personal loan are done. It's just, I've been $810 a month, every single month. Are you with me? Like just money. Um, so quickly. Um, so that's a big decision. And I'm like, you know, that just works better. So let me do that once a year or once every two years. Um, um, that's for the rental properties and going forward with that. And that's a strategic decision as a business owner, knowing I'll be cash flow negative the first year, but it's worth it. Cause I know what the end result will be, which is pure money. If you can wait mm -hmm. a year or two for it to level out because of the higher payment, um, a $30,000 mortgage, $250 a month, $300 a month. Um, a $30,000 personal loan is like 685, right? So it's double because it's over a shorter term, but you do pay it off quicker. And that is, um, that's, that, that has worked really well for me. Um, two, I'm into passive income in different ways. So um, um, I've built out different income streams within my coaching platform um, in a way that's, I like to say mutually beneficial, right? So it's not just me getting value. So a $5 book is a $5 book that's easy for you to buy or 15 if you want the paperback. Um, so that's a passive income stream, my monthly membership. Um, and like, honestly, taking my book um, that's written and translating to Spanish is a passive income stream. So I'm working on that. Um, but it's also very helpful because I found that in my audience, a lot of people are bilingual, but they're like, I, it's easier for me to read in Spanish, even though I'm fluent in English. And I wanted to give this to my mom because I want her to do this with me. Are you with me? So, yeah. you know, translating into Spanish is a big deal to me. It's like my note of saying, I see you Spanish community. I see what you're doing. Even if other people are overlooking you, I'm not. I see you. Um, it's also a passive income stream. It's also getting the message out to people who also understand the message, um, who come from maybe um, lower income beginnings, just like I did. So they really resonate with what I'm trying to do. Um, I had, a, I had a, a proofreader edit it and she was like, girl, what? This is good. You are trying to work this Hispanic. I understand what you're saying. She, so, so even the translator was like, yo, this is awesome. I was like, good. That's what we're trying to do. Um, so then, like for my English book, I just spent like two months, and this is a lot of work. I made an audio version of the English book. Um, so that's, you know, so that is Kindle, that's paperback, that's audio, that's passive income, right? Um, and it's work, don't get me wrong, doing an audio book takes a lot. Like I had to do so much editing um, mm. and so much repeating and so much listening to my own audio book, like eight times I'm done listening to my own audio book, I'm telling you. Um, and so, um, and then the Spanish book, I plan on doing a Spanish audio book. So I'm looking for a Spanish translator. 
So those are different um, worthwhile efforts that take a lot of effort and you just have to dig and dig and you have to pay for it. But um, other things to create on top to build the foundation to get this out further. But those are, I'm really into passive income. So I tell people, you know, if it's not passive income, I'm not doing it. Um, the only thing I don't do that's passive is like actively coach. So someone, you know, so a couple of people this week reached out, one in California, one in Texas. They're like, I want to do this. And we're like, let's get busy. And we're, we've already identified markets and we're laying the groundwork for them to go out there. And we've identified the houses already in like two weeks. Um, so that's the only active part. But outside of that, anything I focus on is like passive, passive, passive. And I would suggest everyone to always consider passive if they can. Really good tip. Really good advice. And that's also in alignment with, I think, a lot of people um, who are in your position that have now moved on to, I would call, kind of the scale position where yeah. you're reaching a bigger audience and you're, it sounds like, always trying to think about ways to affect the biggest change with the most people at the most scale. And that was kind of something we talked about before. And we'll get to that uh, also a little bit later in the, the final part of the show. So um, that's really cool. Uh, how do you like to stay educated? Um, and it, I hear it from all different answers and even talking to people is a different um, version yeah. of that lately. I've been hearing a lot more. So how do you like to stay educated? I like coaches um, because I want, I just have these big goals and big dreams and big impact. So I just hire coaches when I find one that understands what I'm trying to do. Those aren't always easy necessarily for me because I'm very like niche. Um, but um, so I like coaches. I will pay a coach. I pay somebody $500 a month for one hour phone call. Okay. Mm -hmm. But he was worth it. You know what I mean? So um, he really um, helped me with different parts of the passive income generation. Um, so that's how I do it. Um, occasionally I will read, a, there's so many good books. Okay. I just don't get through them. So uh, I just don't, I need to start getting back into audiobooks. I live near the beach now. Um, so, you know, um, you just inspired me to go and listen to audiobooks again while I walk on the beach. Um, and so that's, that's what I do. Coaches and uh, I'm going to start back up with audiobooks. Very cool. Okay. Hopefully, uh, if, if anyone else is inspired to do the same, I, I have been finding, it's funny, I've been thinking about this question more. I have been learning um, more so than ever just through speaking with other people, um, like personal conversations, you know, and I would have never put that in this bucket, but I'm sure you're doing that all the time and not knowing it. So, um, you know, that, that's probably every Always day for learning. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what, any, any standout, um, let's say websites, apps, tools, things that you use on a daily basis um, to help drive your business? Um, no, I mean, it's all sources. It's sourcing from my Facebook group, sourcing from YouTube, um, Instagram. So basically it's just social media and responding to DMs and mm -hmm. um, uh, Cause everything goes down in the DMs at this level. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Everything goes in the DMs. Hey, uh, what's up? Awesome. I saw this. What can I do? So responding to like, you know, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, um, YouTube comments, um, just sort of progressive. So it's, uh, I guess if I had to say social media apps. That's a good answer. And I feel like that's, I don't hear that one as much, but I also, to the point earlier about people that are at the point of scale, that's typically the response because it's just it seems like for you probably the best way to get a message out there and communicate and kind of control your narrative yeah. so it's amazing 
And they're all different um, and they're all different platforms and they have different audiences. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And guys, you got to check out her Facebook group. Seriously. Unbelievable. Just like good interaction, content, stories, networking. It's, it's really good. Yeah. I'm in there all the time. Amazing. I love my group and I will defend <laughs> it. So your energy, can I just talk about this? Um, we sure. talked about low cost properties. I want to say my energy and group is about being from these communities. So we have such a big effort to giving back. Right. And so in a capitalist society, that comes at odds. So we talk about raising rents. Do we do it do, or do we not? And a lot of us. So, you know, you know, if I get a good tenant and they've been there for 10 years and they're paying on time and keeping the place up. No, I don't raise the rent to market, which might be two or three hundred dollars more. And there are other forum places where we would be laughed at for saying it's not always worth it to raise the price, especially in low income communities where people aren't making more money. Okay, they're already vulnerable. And I wanted to mention this because if you come in my group and you want to learn from me and my people, I do say I want you to have a higher level of consciousness about what you're entering into. We are going into the most vulnerable, lower cost, working class communities. They aren't making more money. So you raising that rent for $300 means a difference between four kids having to move to another school, possibly a worse neighborhood mm. that they grew up with and had all their friends. But $300 extra means nothing to me because it gentrified. Right. So I do want to say, if I do see notes like that, I'm sorry, you're out. And so why my group is amazing is because we're all there to help ourselves, but we're also here to help the situation. There's a bigger spiritual give back that is in my group that is in no other group. I'm telling you, it just isn't because it's all about money, money, money. And we want to make money, but it's all about slow, sustainable money that you build over time. And that's just not a get rich quick thing. It is a slow, let me build as I can, but also let me give back to people who look like me, who grew up like me, or people that I understand. And I wanted to say that before we ended, because if you come in the group and you're just like, I don't care, whatever. And some people have done this and they've been exported out. Um, it's, it's like, hey, you know we're not about that. It's not money at the expense of families. And it's so funny, we want corporations to treat us like this. Well, let us start treating people like this at a micro level. Um, and, and the reason I think the group is great is because that energy of we're doing good and lining our pockets, compassionately but smart, mm -hmm. um, economically, but you know, being thoughtful, I think is the energy that makes it good, personally. I really do think that's why it has the energy it does because it's very, we're onto something big. And we're doing something big. And it's the first time we can, you know, from our communities, go back to our communities um, and also think about it and talk about, do we raise the rents just because we can, because it's gentrifying, you know? Let's have that conversation in our group. They're not going to have it in others. It's raise the rents as much as you can. I don't, not, not in these vulnerable communities. Not me, not on my watch. Of course, I'm not stupid, but let me tell you something. They're like, the price of inflation, I'm like, no. Literally the cost of my mortgage, which is the biggest expense, it goes down every year because I'm paying it off. Mm -hmm. So I make more money every year. Do you know what I mean? So a long-term tenant that keeps your house up is way better than ginger buying just because you can to get an extra hundred dollars. But that means you have someone moving in and out every single month because as soon as you're at market and not below, that means people are always looking for the next deal. You know, they don't care. And if you're paying twelve to $1,800, how much is your profit is that um, every time they move out? So it's an economic decision as well as like a emotional, um, com like community-based decision, right? And so I find that when you combine um, the spiritual, the community, the give back and the lining of the pockets in a slow, methodical way, I just, I just think this is the best way, the best culture that we can bring forward and continue to perpetuate to, to really impact the world and show people a successful way that works that really incorporates community and us building wealth at the same time, but working together. 
first off, thank you for saying that because I think there is, um, I don't want to say divide, but there is some type of cynicism towards, I'd say, people in real estate who have the take money and make money at all cost mentality, which I just mm-hmm. think in general is bad business. And there's the, the two mm-hmm. things you talked about make so much sense that one, um, you're going to probably make just as much money, if not more, from not having turnover. And yeah. Like that, that, that alone right there is, I think, so overlooked and it doesn't make sense on paper all the time. But um, when you actually think about like the phantom math behind it, which I think people overlook a lot, that's just not the case, raising rents and pushing people out. And the second thing, you're just doing good. You're, you're doing good in the community and you're keeping relationships and you're keeping a brand and you're keeping um, a good conscience on things that you're helping people stay in a home with their family and yeah. not affecting people's Thanks. lives. It's the most empathetic thing you can do. So um, I have situations like that. My tenants and some of my favorite yep. uh, mentors and yep. coaches that are in real estate have a very similar approach to you. And um, so thank you good. for saying that. Yeah, I think that's Good. awesome. I don't hear it enough, I'm but I have mentors. I want. Can you tell me their names? Because those are the people I need to stand. Okay, because yeah. that that's the <laughs> that's the people I want to follow. Nothing less. I'm just sorry. Just nothing less than that. I will definitely. I'll follow up with you. Just some of the names. Exact same teaching and concept that it's not all just a money grab and a land grab, uh, from an, an ethical standpoint. But like, if you then want to think about it from a math or an. Ec- ec- economical standpoint, it's really just also probably going to be in alignment that you're going to have long-term tenants and they're going to be really oh, good they tenants. Know. They got a good value. 100%. Yeah, they know 100%. when they have a value. I've had tenants for, t- they, they're not going anywhere. Um, right. I can raise my rents two to $300, but like I said, my profit margin, I mean, my, my mortgage are getting paid off. I'm getting more cash flow just by doing two. I don't, I don't do anything. Every single year it goes down. Um, they're just not going anywhere. And that's what I like. I like stability. They pay on time. You know, uh, they keep my place immaculate. I get pictures. I'm like, Ooh, that's better than me. Um, and so just, yeah, them not going anywhere is part of the plan. I want someone to be there for 20 years. Have fun. Okay. Now, if it goes to like, and so here's the deal. If it ever have a property that's 35 and it goes to 200,000, I'm not going to sell. I'm just going to tap into the equity. I'm still not getting rid of it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm still not selling and flipping it and moving them out. I'm just tapping into an equity because obviously it's an appreciating value asset. So that just means that's more equity you can tap into. 100%. Couldn't agree with that more. And that's, there's a caveat to it, right? But there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to do this. And I think you're talking about an approach that I would agree with as, as the right way. Um, Going into the wind down here, what's next for you uh, in 2020 and beyond? Okay, I'm sort of my this I'm very spiritual. Um, I, the what real estate investing gave me and the financial freedom gave me, it gave me time to do the meditations. And everyone, if you start meditating, your world's gonna change. Okay, you're gonna see your soul, you're gonna see your spirit, you're gonna start mm. looking up. Why did I see this during meditation? Oh, my chakras. What are my chakras? Oh, why are they this color? Oh, what needs to be healed? Oh, what? Are, how do I heal? Oh, you're a healer. I'm a healer too basically was like the <laughs> I can heal people I'm a good healer I'm gonna tell you that right now I'm powerful I, mm. I want to have a healer contest look at me I'm so competitive because I'd <laughs> eviscerate them I'm so good okay so it gave me that freedom to like really delve into who I'm here what my purpose is 
my purpose is to do what I'm doing with real estate, but it's also to heal people and let them know that they're more powerful than they are. And I've been given the gifts to do that, to like explain that and to inspire people. And so, um, so there's a, a spirituality. So I talk openly, like right now, today, I'm on a day five of the 30 day fast. Okay. Mm. That is a very spiritual thing. Your body is God's immaculate perfection. Cause when you look at the research, it clear, you have, um, 18 hours into a fast, you have something called autophagy where literally every single cell has mitochondrial DNA that goes, okay, at 18 hours fasting, we need to clean up this, all the virus and bacteria is in here, or it goes, there's too much virus, bacteria, and toxins in here. We need to have this cell die and they do that with your fat cells so like i'm in a five-day spiritual fast of 30 days and i feel great obviously i'm a healer so i, can, I do a healing every morning to like sustain me but um, i talk about this and it sounds a little extreme to some people who aren't there but i find that people in my dms are like hey can i do a healing session with you so i'm actually starting to do more healing which i was um, led and guided to is like the next part of my impact here so there is going to be a phasing of, I'm going to be doing the real estate investing, but I'm also taking on more of the healing. So um, in about a year when I pay off debt, cause I bought a house in July and I did about $30,000 renovations, but you know, on credit cards, you know me. So I have to like pay it off over the next um, couple of years. But after then that gets down, I'll start, um, I'll do rental properties, but through the personal loan route um, and credit card route. Um, but as I'm building my healing um, following and clientele, like I have four or five healings I did this week. I have four or five healings um, wow. scheduled next week. I'm not going to lie. Like I like telling people who aren't into this. I'm like, I'm good. You, you got to try me out. You know, you're going to see angels. You're going <laughs> to, you're going to see some stuff you've never seen before. Find out what you're here to do. So, um, so when you say what's next, it's really big. That's why I'm really focusing on the book in the passive income that comes with that. So it gives me the breathing room to really go into the next phase of what my spiritual purpose here is to be a powerful healer and inspire people that we are a lot more powerful and sort of through my own actions show that you can do a 30 day fast. Um, have you fasted just by the way? <laughs> I have fasted, but not that long. Just, just yes. up to maybe three days. Which is great, right? But 30, I, uh, wow, that's amazing. I have so many questions, but 30 There's, days. Go on YouTube, go on YouTube a, healthy alternative, a Healthy Alternative is one of the YouTube channel and Dr. Mindy is another. Okay. And you have people who are like fasting for three months and they go to the doctor and the doctor's like, you're good. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> but there's so much perfection I found in, um, there's so much of God's perfection in us. So I found that eating three meals a day, that we taught that, that's garbage. No, going and fasting. show like there's so many processes that start that God gave our bodies. It's mm. so perfect when you see it. And when you go into the research and the studies that have been done, you're like, wow, to me, it's spiritual because I see a physical manifestation of God's perfection and healing ourselves. So not only does it heal information, chronic pain, this, that, rosacea, echinacea, uh, arthritis, it can heal all of that. It gives your body that chance to do it. Um, and as a healer, I'm down for anything like that. The weight loss is sustainable. It's not water weight. After the first two days, it's pure fat cells for, mm. for fuel. Um, I think I'm down like 15 pounds. And as oh long as gosh. you eat healthy afterwards, it doesn't come back in five days. And everyone told us, no, don't do that. No, that's the only way we need to do to lose fat. You heal your body. You go into this phase. You can do it for three days at a time once a month. You can do it for five days at a time once a month. But uh, I also find that with hunger, I can easily control it. So there's these things I'm going through my spiritual healing and my story that I like to get out to the public. But um, 
and through that, I'm inspiring others to who are in my platform who are like, I never heard of that. You're the only one I know. Um, tell me more. And um, that's a big part of my life too. Like, like doing the work, but when it's successful, going, hey, y'all gotta do this. And I, I'm just gonna say this again: fasting really taps into God's perfection of our body. And I think it's such a physical way to see, feel, and hear what He did. And I did not grow up in the church, but you know what? I always remembered. 40 days a night, Jesus fasted. There's a reason. Mm. There's a reason, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you know that, right? And I just thought about that when I started. There was a reason he did that. Now that I'm going through the research and doing it myself, I'm like, it's, it was, it's God's perfect creation to making sure our bodies can heal. So I just want to put that out there for those who are, um, who are in the audience. That's the next part. It's a big part of my life. So um, even if uh, you work with me one-on-one, I'm like, okay, do you believe in praying or do you believe in vision boards? Because which one? All right, vision boards and manifesting and scripting. All right, make sure as we're going through this process, you're doing that spiritual, you're reprogramming your mind, you're tapping into that higher level of manifestation. If you believe in prayer, did you pray about this? No, Lisa, you got to get on it. Will mm. do. And I swear to God, when we incorporate that, it's just so easy. It's so easy. And I know other people don't do that. I do, but it works. And I, you know, I don't have to I don't need to do studies when things work, things work. And I put it out there. So I'm going to be the one I'm like, <laughs> you pray or you manifest with Lisa in addition to the practical fundamental work we're doing. And I just find it makes it easier. Wow. Love that. That's not what I was expecting you to say. So uh, again, thank you for that. And that is awesome. And it just shows that you're living a more balanced life and you've done a lot in real estate, but you're also focused on a spiritual side and helping others. And that's been a big, just a theme of you and definitely a theme of this talk of how much more to you there is than just real estate and how important it is to help people and keep yourself healthy spiritually. Um, It's a, it reminds me of something just from, you reminded me of one thing concept from Gary Keller, Jeff Woods, we talked about a little before, which is they look at it like you can't, perform well and work and business if your mind and your spirit and soul is not good yes. on the front end. So take care of that stuff first. That's priority one. And yes. then everything else you can Clean be energized for. Yeah, exactly. So that is uh, that is an awesome, awesome answer. Um, okay, very cool. So I th- we're, we're just about done here. Um, last two questions. One, where can people learn more about you? You have so much stuff out there. What's the best way for people to get introduced to your stuff if they haven't already? Okay. Um, you find me on YouTube, Affordable REI. So you can just put Affordable REI and Lisa Phillips on YouTube and I'll come right up. You'll see my channel. Um, that's the way to get like my videos going over the process and doing this. And also, you know, my later videos are, you know, after eight years of coaching, like my lives that I do now, that's really about, you know, these are the new things you need to know. This is what's going on. The other way is my book. Uh, I always suggest that because the audio book will drop next week. I literally just have to upload it. Yep. That one right there. Um, I had to upload it, but there's an audiobook version too. And um, if you're not a reader, I would suggest the audiobook. I worked very hard. It is this voice, but it's not too annoying because I listened to it like eight <laughs> times because I had to edit it. I, you know, seriously, it's not that bad. Even I was like, okay, I can listen to this. Um, and uh, so I would recommend that at a minimum because I like for people to look at my stuff before they do others because then they'll have perspective. So if someone's saying something, you can go, okay, that makes sense. But you also go, you know what? That doesn't make sense. That's not for me. So I always like people to use mine as a baseline to compare other people just so they know and can resonate a little bit better and understand if that person is talking to them the way they can and be able to discern those nuances they may not be talking about. So those are the two things, my YouTube channel and that. And from the YouTube channel, I would highly suggest... Um, 
uh, getting into the Facebook group because there's so many rock stars in there who are doing amazing, they're amazing, Jonathan. I'm so flattered because a working class, you know, a little bit lowbrow, on the humor, girl like me, you know, like I, I, you know, I used to listen to Howard Stern, I should tell you something, um, like can get the kind of people who are amazingly effective and smart and outgoing and supportive in that group. I'm always honored that they listen like to someone like me, like, cause I didn't come from any classy position. But um, if you join it, uh, as long as your energy is good and wants to contribute and move this country forward, um, in a positive way, but also with you building wealth that you can pass on, you are more than welcome. Um, and you know, I'm very spiritual, but like, I, but if you're, you don't have the energy, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm spiritual, but not, you know, I have boundaries though. And that's just one thing I'm going to stay very firm on. And, and that's what makes it 9,600 strong, but wow. a wonderful place to be. That is awesome. That is some community. And like we talked about before, it's just, it's a very collaborative, open community. So very cool. Um, last question. The, another goal of this show uh, is to help people get started um, through networking and finding mentors and going about that process the right way. And we always mm-hmm. advocate for people to do it in a value add way or value add before value ask. So um, for anyone listening out there, if it was reaching out to, it could be you, but just anyone in your position, you think, in your space, um, what would be some ways that someone could bring value to you or someone like you right now if they were trying to start a relationship with you? I mean, so if it's online, I'm probably going to go set up a strategy session call um, or something like that. But if you're in the Hampton Roads region where I live now, um, just take me to lunch or dinner and pay for it. Like you can tap my brain the whole hour if you Hmm. go someplace nice. So I know this sounds crazy. I was like, just take me out to eat. Like, <laughs> no, not at all. I think, but again, I think I, I, like the reason I asked the question and I love just your, your straightforwardness with that answer, because I think a lot of people, they have the right intention, but they just don't know the steps or they can't put themselves in the shoes of someone that's really busy or tries yeah, to help a lot of people. Lot so of people. they're not doing it, I think from ill will, but just putting it no. that way, that's, that's such a great way to do it or think about it and talk about something over a meal. Yeah, I'll tell you anything if, like, we're eating at a nice restaurant and you're paying for it. Like, honestly, <laughs> unless you're the that. devil, I'm probably going to come. So <laughs> if you're in the Hampton Roads region, you're down in Virginia Beach or Hampton or Norfolk, and you're like, uh, you want to go out to eat and maybe we can talk about real estate, 100% I'm probably going to say yes. I don't think I've ever turned that down. Love that. Well, I'm going to be, I got to get myself down there then. I'll uh, I'll take you up <laughs> on that at minimum. But anyone else, guys, that's an easy way. That's, that is that's an amazing <laughs> offer. And unless we're going to a 15 course French restaurant, you're going to get your money on the front end. Yeah. And it's very, that's a tangible thing. So um, that's really cool. I love that answer. So uh, just on that um, tie off, Lisa, I just want to personally thank you for coming on, um, not just for this podcast, but also coming on all your social um, streams and your content creation, just seeing the good it's done in the communities you've been a part of or started or you're following. It's just had such an amazing ripple effect um, and affected so many lives and so many people. And, um, you know, I've tried to share your stuff as much as I can because it's had such an impact on me and I know the impact it can have on other people. So I just want to say thank you for um, the work you do and the message that you put out there. It's really phenomenal. Um, and yeah, just, just keep doing what you're doing. So just before we kind of tie off, is there anything you want to just, 
leave uh, a message on or put out there just before we, we cut? No, just, I want to thank you because uh, when I meet investors who can be heart centered as well as profit centered, which you are, um, I'm glad because it can't just be Lisa. It, it needs to be Jonathan. It needs to be Zach. It needs to be Rachel. And um, I don't know if you can see it, but I can. If all of us as individuals decide to do that change, we will affect change. And I see it happening. I, I see it happening every day. And so I give credit to people like you because you heard the call, but you, 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 can, you can place and understand that your energy, your spirituality, your compassion um, can go into this. And we need people like you and me. Do you know what I mean? So I want to say mm -hmm. out there in the audience, thank you for bringing me on. But, you know, thank you, Jonathan, for being that person who wants to talk about things at a little bit of a higher level and um, continue that because we're going to be the change we want to see. But um, we are seeing it. Don't worry. That's all. That's all. So thank you for also being like that because uh, it'll take an army up. Of course. Of course. Well, Lisa, it was a pleasure. It was an honor. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Best of luck in 2020 uh, and onward. And good luck with that fast. That's amazing. I got to check back yes. with you at the end and uh, <laughs> see that ripped up body of yours and see how you're doing. How I you can't feel. Wait. So that's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. This was really fun. It was so nice getting to know you. And um, to the audience out there, thank you for taking the time to listen.